right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Maybe you feel like I do. I want to be able to share the good news of Jesus a hundred times more than I did last year with people who are not yet following Jesus because the love of Jesus is so extravagant. And this is how Jason feels. Jason's one of our listeners, and I got this email from him a few weeks back, and he says, can you suggest any material on how to best share Jesus? A guy who does some work for me just lost his wife, who was probably in her 30s. I don't know him really well, but yet was trying to offer words to share. In a situation like that, I know enough to know it's a fine line to walk to offer the hope of Jesus. Yet I feel the need to offer something to him, but don't want to turn him off. Then Jason says, I have even had times this week at work when I have felt I needed to share Jesus with a coworker and yet didn't quite know how. Mm-hmm. He is opening these doors for me and I need to walk through them. And I love this. I love Jason's passion. I love his desire to share the gospel. And that's where it starts that we want to do this. Not, oh, I'm so scared. I don't even want to think about it, but I just love this desire to lean into it. Right. And not for, you know, not for the sake of, of you, but I just sense Jason's compassion for these folks, you know, and having mm-hmm. lost, you know, being in that place of, of grieving and just wanting to extend God's love, you know, to this guy. And even in the other relationships with coworkers and whatnot, I just feel like it's prompted by compassion. That's, that's God. That's how God joined in. That's how Jesus joined in. He had compassion on people. Yeah, and sharing our faith is just that. Mm-hmm. It's sharing God's love. You know, we make it a program, we make it a formula, but it's just sharing the love of Jesus with people and the message of Jesus with people. And I'm on this journey to learn how to better share the gospel. And so I'm not some guru, but here are some things I've learned by trial and error over the years. I think the best way to share our faith is in relationships like this. You know, in this case, a young man who's lost his bride, I think just saying, man, I'm so sorry for your loss. I believe in prayer. I'm a man of prayer and I will be praying for you. And you can take this a step further and say, can I pray with you right now? I've done this before and I can only think of one time when a person has said, no, I'm not comfortable with that. And you you survived that. I did. (laughs) I'm here talking about it. If someone is open to on-the-spot prayer, here's the thing. They can experience the presence of God through you and me in that moment. Yeah. They can sense the presence of God. And he's the Prince of Peace. And so just by speaking to him in their presence, they can experience his peace. Yeah. And I have a friend named Carl, and he was in the Middle East. And he's a guy who just is able to build relationships so well. So he was... He was in the office of a governmental leader in the Middle East, and this guy was Muslim, and he was having trouble with his family. And Carl just said, hey, can I pray for you right now on the spot? And the guy said, okay. And so Carl prayed, and when he got done, the guy goes, what was that? Hmm. You know, he sensed God's presence. And Carl said, well, let's think about that for a minute. And then this Muslim governmental leader said, oh, I know. It was Jesus. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. 
you know, because he Carl knew. was yeah. very upfront about being a follower of Jesus and yeah. he prayed in Jesus' name. That's awesome. So to have experiences like that, just by saying, can I pray with you now? I know it's it's sounds kind of scary, but it's not hard. It's not hard. The hardest part is just taking the risk. So I think this approach that I'm talking about in all this helps us keep things natural and relational and less forced. There have been times I've prayed for someone without doing a formal prayer. Like when my Muslim friend lost his grandfather, I just looked at him with my eyes open and I said, my friend, I just pray that God will comfort you in your loss and that he will show you how merciful he is. And I think my friend Z sensed I was praying, but it was natural and he really appreciated that. So the first thing, just be relational with prayer in your conversation. And then the second thing is share your story. Share how Jesus has changed and is changing your life. And here are some questions you can ask to, you know, think about how to formulate your story. How did Jesus become real to you? What did it look like to make the faith your own? What difference is Jesus making in your life now? Take time to write it out and then rehearse it till it's second nature. Even be able to share this in one to two minutes. Have the, have the short version. And you're thinking, my testimony is just boring. No, it isn't. Every testimony is a miracle. You've experienced the risen Jesus. Think about that. You've experienced the risen Jesus. So what did and what does that look like? And I think, too, you know, for, for you to say, you know, write it out and be able to share that in like 30 seconds or whatever, my knee-jerk reaction to that would be like, there's no way I could do that in 30 seconds. But if you think it through, if you boil it down, you really can in a meaningful way and not in a rushed way. You can just say, oh my goodness, this is, you know, I felt like I first, I knew I was loved, but for some reason I felt like I wasn't valued. And this, you know, Jesus showed me how much he loved me. I mean, it can be very simple. Yeah, that's your story. That's my story. Yeah, that was less than 30 seconds. Finally, learn how to share the gospel. And you can share the good news as simply as sharing John 3.16. You probably know John 3.16. And you could just walk through that with somebody. Like anything, it takes practice. You don't have to have all the answers. You can say, that's a good question. Let me do some research and I'll get back with you. That's freeing, actually, just hearing Mm -hmm. that. You don't have to have all the answers. And you don't have to, you know, do the whole thing to get the person to cross the line. Just move them a step closer. And one last thing, the gospel isn't just something we share with unbelievers. It's something we get to treasure for ourselves. As we treasure the gospel and go deeper into it, the more it will come out naturally. The gospel is what saves us. And then the gospel is what grows us. So I encourage you to just go deeper in the gospel. I suggest really anything by Tim Keller, but the prodigal God is is a great place to start to go deeper in the gospel. Because, you know, that's my passion in life, to go deeper into the love of Jesus so that it builds me up and pours out of me to others. So let's land this with the gospel. Jesus Christ The Word of God became a human being. He came into this world. He lived the perfect life that you and I should have lived but could never live because we're so flawed. He died the death we deserve. He took the spear for us. He took the punishment that our sins deserve. He said, my life for yours. Think about that. What incredible love. My life for yours. 
and then he rose again to bring us into the Father's embrace. And when you put your trust in Jesus, here's what happens. He forgives you all your sins, past, present, and future. And the Father in heaven counts Jesus' perfect 4.0 life as your own. And then he gives you his Holy Spirit to empower you to start living a new life that's pleasing to God. He will begin to change you in miraculous ways that you never thought he could. It's a gift to receive, and it's a decision to follow Jesus the rest of your life. And maybe you've stumbled on this station, and you have never decided to follow Jesus. I really believe that in this moment, Jesus is saying to you, follow me. I love you so much. I gave my life for yours. Follow me. I'll make it worth it all. I love, I don't know about you, I love brand new. Oh my goodness. I love brand new things too. I love new, not just brand new things. I do love brand new things, but I love brand new experiences too. Um, my husband and son are heading to Bangladesh next month. That's right. Oh my goodness. I'm a little bit jealous because I just know they're going to see and experience brand new things. We've been praying for a people group, the Rohingya people group, and they have the opportunity to go there and to be amongst them and pray for them and, and invite God into that place to do wonderful things and to reveal himself there. Yeah. It's a refugee camp Yes, where the Rohingya are living. Yeah. So I'm excited that they get to be a part of that and they get to have that experience. But I love brand new things. They're exciting. And one of my favorite new things when you you step into a brand new year is that brand new calendar. Like you open it up and all the pages are firm and clean and not ruffled, you know, no coffee rings on any any of the pages, no stuff that you scheduled and then had to cross out. You know, it's just, I don't know. It just feels like crisp and full of possibility. Back in the day, I used to have a a big old desk calendar. Yeah. You know, just a huge thing. And and it was really helpful to just see the whole month. I'm sure you can still get those. I think that would be helpful to me. Even in the, just because of this digital age doesn't mean I shouldn't have a big old desk calendar. So I'm thinking about that. All right. Well, I use digital calendars a lot and they have this option like on Google Calendar or whatever calendars on your phone of repeating events. So something that's going to happen again and again and again, you just repeat it every Monday or once a month or whatever the case may be. So what I don't like about that, it's handy, but what I don't like about that is I don't get that brand new page experience. Oh, I don't like that either. Some of the stuff from 2021 just carries on over into 2022 and maybe I don't want it to. Maybe there's some stuff I need to leave behind. Delete. Yeah. Delete, delete, delete. I did some of that yesterday. Actually, it was quite, you know, therapeutic for me to do that. But early in Jesus's ministry, he extended invitations to his disciples to come and follow him. And here's just one sneak peek at what that looked like from Matthew 4, 18 through 22. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. And he said to him, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And then going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, and they were mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately, 
they left the boat and they left their father and they followed him. And I love this. And I resonate with their hearts and their desire to just go and follow Jesus. But at the same time, I got to be honest, I'm challenged by how they left the life that they knew just to go and follow Jesus. If I, I'll do this a lot when I'm reading scripture, I, I put myself in the scene, you know, use my holy imagination to, to put myself right there in the moment. And I think if Jesus had come to me and said, you know, follow me, and I was in the middle of my day, I probably would have said, yes, oh my goodness, yes, I want to follow you. Just give me a second. I need to pack up my net or I need to help my dad real quick to get the boat back to shore and take care of today's catch. But yes, I'm definitely going to come with you. But to become a disciple of Jesus requires us to leave things behind. Maybe, you know, practices that we have or relationships even. If you want to pursue holiness like Jesus, but you also want to hold on to the same entertainment choices that you've always had, you're in a conundrum, right? Or maybe you you want to love like Jesus does, but you have this anger towards people who don't look like you or they behave a certain way or they like certain things or they're a part of a political party or, you know, whatever. Or you want to know more about God, but oh my goodness, your calendar is just so full. You can't, you know, you can't possibly squeeze in time to sit and reflect on the Bible and read it in a meaningful way with all of your other commitments. Sometimes we need to leave some things behind in order to follow Jesus. So if you imagine with me that you're in the story that we read in Matthew, you're just in the middle of your day, or maybe it's even right now. You're getting ready for work or you're on your commute or you're sitting at your desk and Jesus comes to you and he says, follow me. And you can see, you look right at him, right? You can see in his eyes, he means business and he understands what it's going to cost you. He knows what you're going to have to leave behind to follow him, but he also knows it's totally worth it. And you see in his face that he believes in you. He's for you. It's almost as if with his whole demeanor, he is both inviting you to follow him and challenging you at the same time. My beautiful mom went to be with Jesus a year ago, and she was the first person in our family to say yes mm. to Jesus, saying, follow me. She said yes. A friend of hers came over one day and, and shared the good news with her. She She was very familiar with the good news, but this time when she heard it, it was so real. It was Jesus saying, I want you to follow me, to drop everything and follow me. And what she heard from Jesus was not in an audible voice, but she heard this, follow me and it will be worth it all. Mm. That's what she heard. And now she knows it's been worth it all. Now she knows that she knows that she knows. And her saying yes to Jesus had this ripple effect. My dad, a couple years, not a couple years, a couple weeks later, Mm decided to follow Jesus. And then it impacted my, my siblings and then it impacted extended family members. And it just had this ripple effect. Her one decision to follow Jesus, knowing that it would be worth it, just proved itself throughout her life. And now she sees the ultimate proof of it. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, Jesus's invitation, like standing in front of us and saying, you look at us in the eye, it's very personal, right? And saying, follow me it isn't for me that has not been a one-time experience 
I feel like there are areas in my life that that God comes to me again and again and again and says, follow me. In regards to this, follow me. Follow my ways. Trust me. What do you need to leave behind to follow hard after Jesus in 2022? Drop your net. Leave your boat. Choose now to follow Jesus. Check this out. Before you were born, before anyone was born, before the creation of the world, God planned to rescue you and me from the judgment we deserve for our sins. God's plans are mind-blowing. Listen, this is 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20. It was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, rescued from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And then listen to this. Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God, chosen before the creation to save you and me. And we see this plan unfold throughout the story of the Bible. When Israel, the people he'd chosen to bless the world, was enslaved in Egypt, and the Egyptian overlords were oppressing them and wouldn't let them go, at that time, he told the Israelite families to sacrifice a lamb and to paint the blood on the door frames of their houses. If they stayed inside, the angel of death would see the blood and pass over that home. The firstborn in that family would be saved. If the angel of death didn't see the blood, the firstborn would die. It wasn't because the Israelites were so good and the Egyptians so evil. It wasn't ethnicity that saved you. It was the blood of the lamb. Because we are all debtors to God. And on that first Passover, Israel was delivered from Egypt. And this first Passover pointed to another Passover 1,500 years later when Jesus, the ultimate Lamb of God, the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, took the judgment we deserve for our sins because of God's great love for us. All this was planned before the creation of the world. Here's Grand Rapids pastor Rod Van Sulkema. Before God created the world, this good, beautiful world, he knew that it was going to go bad. He knew that Adam and Eve would blow it. He knew that we would blow it. He knew that evil would sink deep in our hearts. He knew that his good creation would fall into ruin. And he knew the only way he could make it right to set it free from bondage to decay, to deliver it from all evil, to deliver us from evil, it'd be through a lamb. And he would be that lamb. And this is why Revelation says that they sing a new song. They're singing it right now. You are worthy because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God people from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. Good Friday is Passover. And Passover is salvation. And that salvation is through a lamb. And that lamb is God's son. And that Passover still points forward. There's still an ultimate judgment day that awaits. A great day of the Lord. Listen now, Revelation 6 describes this day. I watched as the lamb opened the sixth seal. It was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to earth as figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. 
The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, they hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called on the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, hide us for the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Are you prepared for this day? Do you know that it has nothing to do with how good you are? Exodus 12, verse 13. God says, when I see the blood, when I see the blood of the lamb, my judgment will pass over. I will protect you. I will cover you. I will redeem you. And see, for the one who's in Christ... For all the debtors whose hope is in Christ, our judgment day actually happened. It happened 2,000 years ago on One Tree Hill. Have you beheld the Lamb? Are you covered in His blood? Is your life hidden in Him? Have you placed your trust, your hope, your life in His provision? He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you have ever felt like you're not worthy, you're right. But when God looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus. He passes over our sin because of what Jesus did for us. Mm-hmm. Savior of the world. I mean, this is phenomenal. God's his sweetness and his goodness to us to provide for us before we even had need. That blows me away. Mm-hmm. And to think that our judgment day, when we have put our faith in Jesus, the Passover lamb, the ultimate Passover lamb, that our judgment day is already gone. It's already happened. It happened at the cross, and we don't have to live in fear anymore. And, you know, this idea of God being a God of judgment and wrath and justice, it's not very popular these days, but I'll just speak for myself. I know that I know that I know that I am a debtor before God. Right. I owe him something more than my own life. And there's nothing more than my own life that I can offer that will atone for my sins. I need I need a Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. I just, myself, I know I'm a debtor. I know I deserve God's judgment. I also know that at the cross, justice and mercy came together. God judged my sin justly so that he could pour out his love and mercy on me. Yeah, and I, you know, the I, the idea of passing over is not a Passover of our sin because a price demands to be paid. It's that the price has been paid. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a winking at our sin like, it's okay, I got you. No. I mean, I think we still need to be honest with God about that, you know, before that and recognize, yeah, it demands a cost but that cost has already been paid and we're freed because of what Jesus did. Well, it's like what a forest ranger found one time after a forest fire had ravaged an area. He came to this spot where a a mother bird had covered her chicks and she had, the mother bird was like carbonite, Mm. was just like a stone. And he uncovered that spot and there were the chicks. Hey, we're in this thing together, and maybe you've been blindsided by life just recently, and you're freaking out. 
Yeah, don't freak out. That's the best advice I've ever been given. It came from Perry LaHaye, don't freak out. But honestly, if you're going through it right now, I feel you. My dad went to be with Jesus on Saturday morning, and this is weird, this grieving time. It's just weird. It is. One minute I'm fine, and the next minute I just want to ugly cry. Mm. And it's hard. And so I wish I wish I could say to you whatever you need to hear right now that would just give your heart peace. But somebody reached out to comfort me, and these words meant a lot to me, so I'm just going to pass them on to you. May God flood you with his love and his grace and his comfort today. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments? Text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930. 